to really answer your question, you have to have complete and utter faith in yourself and your talent and know that if you're putting good work out there, it's going to lead to more good work. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algott. And coming up in episode 269, part three of my chat with director Brian Beasley, in which Brian shares what it's like to be working as a freelance director, going job to job, not really knowing what's coming next or when. How success is always a combination of focused effort backed by faith. Love that. Uh, the difference between working hard and working smart, and a whole lot more. That's episode 269. Stay with us. Support for this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal Pro, the next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors. And it's now available in the iTunes App Store, so if you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions, explore your character, make stronger choices, and do a whole lot more, Go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn about all the great new features in the new version of Rehearsal, the groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. And by printheadshots.com, superior headshot printing. At printheadshots.com, all orders include, get this, free shipping, free retouching, free layouts, free proofs, and no hidden fees. You don't pay a dime until you approve your proofs. And you can use promo code IA, that's IA as an in inside acting, to get $5 off your order. Most orders arrive within just a day or two, so for superior printed headshots, visit printheadshots.com and use promo code IA for $5 off. Printheadshots.com, superior headshots at the lowest prices, guaranteed. Hey, Ajmajer. Blame it on Siri, or is it Siri? I think they called you Ajmajer. Oh, probably. I don't know. Siri doesn't know who I am. So we have two new members to thank for uh, joining us inside the membership, joining the inner circle of the IAP family. Christian Fernando Cerna. Welcome, dude. Thanks for joining us. And Matthew Edwards. We're so stoked to have you guys inside the membership, sharing your insight, wisdom, discoveries, taking part in our Artist's Way IAP cluster. And Grace Gordon has been so wonderful about just holding the space and providing prompts and encouragement. And another big thank you to Grace for just being an IAP rock star, um, especially with this with this group, which has been amazing, the IAP cluster. So you were in New York, and you had uh, you had a, an audition for a Broadway show, or, or is this still to happen? This is happening later today, or something. It's at some happening point? later today. Yeah, after we're done recording, I was sitting. It's just a fun story. I was sitting in my agent's office. I haven't seen them in person since I left New York. So it's been like a, over a year, almost a year and a half. And I was sitting in their office. <clears throat> One of their computers dings. They get an email and it is an audition for me and I'm sitting right there. It was kind of funny. So I'm going in for, uh, a Broadway, a replacement Broadway replacement for, uh, the lead in school of rock. 
That's which so cool. That part is insane. That got like I started listening to the soundtrack and I um went back and watched the Jack Black film and he is on he must be on stage the entire time. I can't imagine how that story gets told without him being on stage the entire time. And if you listen to the soundtrack, there's like two, maybe three songs that he's not on and everything else is either a solo that he does or like um and on like him singing with the ensemble of the kids, the students. I don't know. It, it's 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 a lot of material. And I've never <clears throat> I always knew that this was a thing, but I'd never sort of experienced it myself uh, on the appointment when when uh, I got sent the appointment it said, be prepared for like a 30 minute work session. Which I guess typically you would find in like a callback, but they, they were saying that for the initial audition, like I, it says, be prepared to, to be in the room working for a half an hour. Like, all right, cool. Here it's we like, go. it's the, you know, my agent always used to say that your audition is your first day of work. It may be your last day of work too, but treat it as your first day of work. Show up prepared, ready to work. And uh, what a gift to have the opportunity to work for a half hour on your first day of work in a room where, where it's usually less than five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we book things right with those ones that are less than five minutes, but it's, um, it's, it's quite a gift. And, you know, one of the things that my agents were saying is they they wanted me to, you know, create a relationship with this casting director. I've never gone in for, for, for her before. So now I have like all this time to make, you know, make an impression. Hopefully I'm not a jerk. Am I a jerk, Trevor? You're a big fat jerk. Damn it. Emphasis on the big and fat and jerk. <laughs> wait, that's all. Wait, what? Uh, that is so cool, man. So that's right after we're done recording here. So this time next week, you'll have an update for us. We shall see. Well, I'll certainly have an update on how it went. Yeah, that's cool. So time. so what's your mindset going into this? I mean, there's got to be a, some nerves, some trepidation. I mean, is this is this officially going to be your first sort of like like be prepared to work for a half hour type of audition or have you done these kind of things in the past uh like i was saying before i've only done this for for like callbacks or yeah. you know something like that so yeah i guess i guess it is cool so they're kind of they're kind of maybe folding the callback process and the initial screening process into one appointment here yeah i think it's the uh i think it's the cd and the assistant director awesome man that's so cool is this jack black's role it, yes, the the um, what is his character's name? Dewey Finn is the name of the yeah. Support for this episode of Inside Acting is also brought to you in part by VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, GoGo.com slash start. We have a comment from William Beaumont, who's a, a longtime listener and supporter. And a, a few episodes ago on the podcast, we had this conversation about casting director workshops and the whole crackdown and how five different uh, casting workshop entities are now being 
uh, I don't know, pursued by the attorney general's office and, and shut down and 25 different individuals within these five businesses are being fined and all sorts of crazy stuff. And and William wrote in with some some thoughts and some really sort of awesome insights. And I just wanted to share them on the um, podcast because there's stuff that we didn't talk about in, the, in that initial discussion. So uh, feel free to sort of jump in with this, AJ, but I just highlighted some stuff. And uh, William said that the first thing is that the attorney's office, this is how this went down. They planted an investigator in a bunch of these casting workshops undercover. So this this guy went in or woman went in undercover as an actor and basically went through the process and found that there was illegal activity taking place. And they decided to bring charges against these five businesses, which we said includes the actor's key and a few other sort of mainstream players. And uh, William says he believes that these are criminal charges with a maximum sentence of one year in prison and a $100,000 fine. That's some serious shit. Though he says he has obviously no idea whether they will actually push for the full um, punishment, I guess. Uh, And he says that's not the result of just plucking some names out of a hat or or going on hearsay. This was a full-scale investigation, and he says one assumes the attorney general has substantial evidence uh, that these people actually broke the law. Wow, man. I mean, that's that's, that's pretty pretty Honestly, this one helped – yeah, this one helped me a lot because, you know, I was thinking about what I was saying before and saying like, oh, it seems like, you know, super harsh and like, I don't know that, you know, this is the right way to kind of react or I don't I don't remember exactly what I said. But the reason that this helped me is because this has been such a hot button topic, a hot button issue for so long. It kind of makes me a little annoyed that the workshops didn't change their practices mm. Knowing that it's a hot button issue, it's like, why wouldn't you do whatever it takes to, I don't know, uh, well, abide by the law. But I mean, like, you know, um, uh, include some kind of um, additional, say, educational opportunity or whatever for the actors that are coming to, 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 to the workshop. Like, to me, what this says is like this undercover person went in and it really was just a paid audition or a paid meeting. As opposed to them, you know, learning anything, because if they went to other maybe maybe this means that they went to other businesses or other um, workshops with other um, uh, casting directors and found that they actually, you know, learned something. And I don't know, for whatever reason, it didn't feel like a paid audition. And and therefore they're like, oh, okay, they're not they're not actually breaking the law. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly what Will says next, actually. He says he says no one, including Billy DeMota, the sort of poster boy for anti um, paid casting director workshops. He says no one, including them, including him or even the attorney general's office is against workshops per se. It's just that they have to be exclusively exclusively for educational purposes. If you're there to teach actors with a lesson plan and the class structure He says, you're fine. He says, these targeted individuals were found to be breaking the law. And Will says that he doesn't do these workshops, or at least he hasn't yet. Uh, But his understanding is, and he has seen them blatantly advertised this way, that there's a category of them which basically boils down to the format of getting three minutes to do a scene and then getting about a minute of feedback. And many of uh, the times these are done one-on-one. So it's if you're if you're attending this workshop, you don't even get the benefit of hearing the feedback to other actors or sometimes even seeing their work. 
And uh, Billy, he says, Billy Demota posted a bunch of feedback sheets online, anonymous, anonymized, anonymousified. <laughs> And he says, <laughs> well he says, done. he says they're pretty laughable. He says they're basically a bunch of scores, uh, like a you know a scale of one to ten, uh, of like you know what your headshot looks like, what your presentation is like, how you how well you embodied your character, and uh, really nothing more than a comment at the bottom that says something like really strong work or something like that. And that's you know that's forty fifty bucks a pop for that kind of thing, and. I have been to workshops, uh, probably half a dozen workshops. I stopped a long time ago, but there was a phase I went through where I went through a bunch of them. And, and every single one of them, that was my experience. I felt really sort of commodified and shitty and, and ripped off. And um, like it, it just left me with a really bad taste in my mouth. So Will says that to his mind, that kind of format can only be described as paying for an audition, uh, especially – Especially if the person leading the session opens with a little spiel about what shows they're working on, what office they're working with, what parts they're looking to cast, how their office works, that kind of thing. I mean, that really does set the context for less education uh, as far as like usefulness outside of that particular circumstance and more uh, of like, here's how to get in my short stack of, of actors to see. So good points there. Um, I, I wanted to kind of toss the ball to you, AJ, because he kind of addresses what you talked about as far as these, you know, workshops being something similar to what like David H. Lawrence says. You know, he always com- compares, not always, but oftentimes he'll say he'll compare being an actor to, you know, being a plumber. And he draws a lot of parallels between what it's like to run a business as a plumbing supply salesperson and uh, an actor. And David brings up a lot of great points. For more on that, check out the VO to Go Go curriculum and, and David's VO to Go Go blog. There's lots of good stuff there. But uh, I know, AJ, you said you didn't quite see, forgive me if I'm butchering this, but you didn't quite see the difference between paying for a cast director workshop and going to a trade show to offer your wares as a plumbing supply salesman. Yeah. Well, and, and William does kind of lay it out like, well, I'll just, I'll just, kind of read through what he said, you know, the key difference in my mind, he says that those circumstances you're paying a trade show organizer for a space to show your wares and their advertising to attract foot traffic. You are not paying the home Depot store manager directly to place your stuff on their shelves. It's actually a really good analogy. Yeah. Uh, similarly, if you, similarly, if you had, uh, if you had to slip the HR manager $50 to get an interview at Google, that would be illegal too. Uh, you can't be asked to give money to the person you get a job to get you a job. They control the, the decision making over. You can pay market your wares. So for actors, that means it's perfectly legal to put on a showcase and invite casting directors to come see you. They just can't ask you to pay them money to come see you. Um, it's not dissimilar to anti-bribery laws. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it does. You know, it, it does. It it sounds increasingly sleazy. When you use, you know, this um, analogy, I guess the only caveat to that or the only sort of thing that I might play devil's advocate is that the casting directors don't actually get you that they're not the ones that are hiring you. And I think that's been their argument, too, that there's like this bit of a loophole where the producers are the ones that are actually hiring the actors. So you can't be asked to give money to the person uh, to get you a job. They control the decision making over the casting directors don't. All they do is bring you in the room and put you in front of the decision makers. 
you know, they're not the ones that are actually hiring people. So, and I think that's the loop. I think it's the argument. I think that's the loophole or the argument that they've been making from the beginning. So, and it's a, it's a good one because they're not, they're not, they're not the people that are actually writing the checks. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, what William is saying is wrong. I think it's a really brilliant, um, analogy. I, I'm just saying that, you know, uh, I think that that's how they've sort of managed to, 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 bypass that law i think that's a super weak argument and loophole (laughs) personally because yeah they may not officially be doing the hiring but they certainly are controlling the access that you get to be hired so it's it's just like one tiny little baby step removed from doing the hiring i mean if it's like i don't know know. it's like if you want to interview somewhere and the only way you can not the only way but a large percentage of your opportunity uh, is to sort of get an appointment with a receptionist and the receptionist puts on classes where you can pay them and then they might the, – the, the context is that they'll put you in the short stack and, and then maybe pass your name up the, up the ladder – um, or or decide that that you're somebody that's worth bringing. Uh, I don't know. To me, it seems it seems kind of it still it, it doesn't make any difference to me. I, I I think that's still pretty icky. I don't. I wasn't like saying it wasn't icky. I think you know. I I just think of like my career and 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 thinking of you know if we go with a show like if I use an example of a show that I've gone out more. For, for, for that show than any other show like the blacklist, you know, like <clears throat> I have uh, I have clearly built some kind of relationship with that casting director and I've gone into audition for that show, what, 12 times, 13 times, something like that. And I've never been hired. So like if it was up to the cat, if it truly was up to the casting director, I feel like I would have already had a job because they believe in me and they keep bringing me back. But I have yet to be hired. To me, that that's that's taking a bit a, a, a really, I don't know, specific and overall look at the at the at the industry and what each role does, like how it works, how things work in 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 the business. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that's I think that's why I was um, saying that. Den- or will wow, Dennis, who's Dennis? Will brings <laughs> up uh, Will brings up one more point that I I think is good because when we aired the sort of Redux interview, not Redux, but you know the the interview with David H. Lawrence the seventeenth on Going Pro Workshop, and David made a lot of good points for sort of a capitalist's approach to to workshops. Um, William brings up a, a good point, and, and this actually speaks to in a way that I wasn't able to sort of put language around until just now. This speaks to some anonymous comments that we saw uh, and and sort of received from that interview where where some people listening felt like David really kind of rolled over us and and we kind of didn't um, play hardball to challenge him on some of his views. And a lot of actors felt that like somehow his approach was unfair or dis- or um, not taking into consideration the journey of other actors, maybe who aren't as uh, as, as um, flush with with money. And uh, you know, on one level, it's like, well, that's your responsibility, right? Like we live in a, a free society, presumably, <laughs> where everybody has equal opportunity or equal equal access. Uh, again, this is I'm speaking in vast generalities here because I I actually don't believe that everybody has equal opportunity, unfortunately. But the idea is that the information is out there for everybody to take advantage of and then tailor to their unique situation. 
But Will brings up that if you need to have money to get money, as in the case with these workshops, the gap can do nothing but widen. And that is not in the interest of the future of either this business or this country, especially a country that prides itself on chasing the dream uh, of infinite possibility, which I think is something important to consider. I don't think there's any sort of action to take on that rather than just sort of put that in your brain box and sort of meditate on it because capitalism is a double-edged sword and, uh, and, and we all know that the gap between those who have and those who don't is widening. And I think it speaks to an underlying sort of collective cultural mythology about who gets our love and attention and consideration and care and, and who doesn't. Um, it's it's weird where we draw the lines when you think about it. Like if you were sick, AJ, I would absolutely do whatever I could to sort of help nurse you back to health. And I wouldn't dream of charging you. <laughs> I would never dream of making you pay me to to help you get well. But like my neighbor that I don't really know that well. No, I, I don't really see the benefit for me in and donating my time and energy to them to make them well. So it's just something to take into consideration because our journeys and our, our actions uh, and our philosophies do affect um, others. I, I had never really taken into consideration the idea of the wage gap playing into uh, this issue. <clears throat> I mean, I, 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 think, I think David Lawrence was the first person to kind of like bring that idea into the conversation with what he said, kind of like what William is, is saying here. I don't know. It, it had never really been a, um, a consideration, I guess. Yeah, and this is something we could, we could sort of tease out for hours. I mean, 40 bucks, 50 bucks is really not a lot of money. It's really not. But to some people, it is. People who are scrounging by on rice and beans and don't know where their next rent check is going to come from, that can be, uh, you know, a lot of money, you know, no matter what, even though in the larger scheme of things, 50 bucks is... It's a pretty laughable sum. Well, and I, and I also, you know, I mentioned this when I recorded the, the last episode, you know, I would never want that to be the case for anyone. Like if that 40 or $50 wasn't going towards something that's, let's call it controversial or questionable, like a, like a CD workshop, if it was going towards, I don't know, something that was, you know, pretty necessary for your career, whatever it is, name it. Um, I would never want anyone to like buy that and then starve for a couple of days because they couldn't afford uh, rice and beans. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's that's um, you're in survival mode. You're not you're not going to be able to be creative. Your whole existence is going to be preoccupied with that. And you're going to bring it into the room with you, too, when you go into audition. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, to me, it's important that um, that people address the sort of basics, the basic foundations of their their existence. We, we, we went in the, the cast of the show that I went to Virginia with, we, since we were doing it at, at a university, we went into this like acting one-on-one class and someone raised their hand and asked us, asked us the question that we get often into the podcast, which is like, if I were to move to a major market like Los Angeles or New York, what, you know, what should I do? And I said, the first thing you need to do is like get grounded, have a foundation, have a life, get a job, get, you know, make sure that you have a place to live, a community, all that stuff, which we've said on the podcast before, but it's so important. Um, and, and I don't know, that that's just kind of what came up for me last episode when we were talking about like, like the Starbucks thing, I'm not, um, disparaging an, a, a job at Apple, a job at Starbucks or, or whatever, but if you're not 
making enough money to um, do all of the things you want to do in your acting career and all of the things you want to do in your life and put money away and save money, then something's wrong and you've got to like figure that out. And I think too many of us, uh, especially young people, especially artists, uh, don't do don't do enough to, to kind of focus on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of just going back to the, what I said a little bit earlier about, you know, not everybody having equal opportunity. For instance, I, as an educated white American male, have a lot more opportunity than someone who might be a different gender or a different race or maybe not have the same education. There are more doors open to me than there are to a lot of people. And that's really shitty and unfortunate. And I, 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 I actually feel almost like a jerk talking about this. Like hashtag white guilt, right? But, um, but we do all have we do all, all have an understanding of how the sort of system we're just in works and we can work to change it and we can use the resources we have available to us to play the system as, as best as we can. I mean, for instance, we all may not have the same sort of doors open to us, but we all do have access to a public library and there is a ton of free information out there that you can use to to improve yourself, to uplevel your skills, to learn anything and to start, you know, working your way up to a place where you are completely financially and, you know, life-wise um just sort of taking care of yourself so that you can have the opportunities that people, you know, like somebody who maybe had an easier time of it in our society um also has. I I really appreciate you saying that cuz Sometimes it's easy, easy to forget. Like, I don't, I don't want to come across as somebody who's like, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And meanwhile, not conscious of, you know, the people who, who don't have the same opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we would love to hear our listeners thoughts on this, this next branch of this conversation. Uh, we're going deep now, man. We are really going deep. And, um, you know, as we just said, and we've said many times, you know, AJ, you and I have a very sort of narrow view of these issues and of, of the world and this industry because we're restricted by, you know, how the world responds to us. So I would love to hear, you know, people who have had a different experience. I'd really love to hear, you know, the ups and downs and ins and outs and, and obstacles and, you know, victories and gifts, everything about the journey that maybe we were not discussing that we're leaving out. Please call in, write in, let us know uh, what your experience is and what you would like to add to this so that people listening can really be uh, armed with the best information possible to go out there and, and really make a difference in the world. So that's, uh, that's all I got. Thank you, Will, for writing in. Anything you wanted to add before we jump into the interview? No, sir. Okay. Well, here's my uh, third and final part with director Brian Beasley. Enjoy this, guys. We'll catch you on the other side. Directing the the skits for the award show, yep. and then how, how? I mean, you've worked with Val Kilmer. Um, 
Yeah. So then, so just another. Here, and this I've is, worked with Val Kilmer too, by the way. Like, and he's <laughs> quite a character. <laughs> he is a total. We got to get him. He's podcast. a total character. Uh, yeah, we can get into that story in a minute. He total character. So basically, yeah, that was kind of my first documentary. I did a I did a film called Unconquered. Um, which was about a Native American artist by the name of Alan Hauser, who passed away in 94. And it was kind of about his legacy and how, about how his two sons have also become artists. And one kind of followed in his footsteps and is very lyrical and does these like very Native American themed. Well, they're both, both sons do Native American themed stuff, but his is just more lyrical and like, you know, big busts uh, of buffaloes. While the other one does very thought-provoking stuff of, like, a teepee on its side with, like, you know, pictures of, like, kids on fire. I mean, just, you know, like, thought-provoking, you know, but very, very different. So, and that all came about, and again, one of those other transitions in my life where I never thought I'd be doing documentaries, and literally my best friend growing up was a kid named Bob Ross uh, in Oklahoma City, went on to become a lawyer there in the state in Oklahoma, runs a foundation uh, called the Inasmuch Foundation, and they are very, very successful throughout the Midwest. Alan Hauser grew up in uh, Oklahoma, was raised in Oklahoma, and they wanted to do, uh, you know, they wanted to do this. The Oklahoma History Center wanted to do this piece on him, and he was like, "Hey, uh, you know, my my best friend growing up is a film director out in Los Angeles. Do you think we could we could hire him?" And there, and the museum was kind of like, "Well, okay, we need to meet with this guy." So. I'm in town. I think I'm in town for a wedding or something in Oklahoma City. He hasn't told me anything about this. And he comes up to me. He's like, hey, you want to have a meeting with the museum tomorrow about this film? I'm like, okay, well, what is it? It's like, and he was like, it's about a sculptor. And he didn't know his name. And I, I couldn't Google it. So I, I'll never forget this. I walk into the Oklahoma History Center. Um, and there's this gentleman who, who runs the museum there named Bob Blackburn, who's a pretty big deal historian there in the, uh, throughout the Midwest, but especially in Oklahoma. And I walk in and I'm like in shorts and a t-shirt and the entire board of the museum's there in suits mm. and they're there to hear my pitch. I don't even know the guy's name, like the, the Alan Hauser, the main guy of the film, completely unprepared. So I remember even Bob was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> totally screwed you here. So I put on my best, you know, salesman, I'm, you know, kind of like. You know, they're like, how do you see the film? I'm like, how do you see the film? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the classic, classic, classic how, move. T- you tell me how the film, you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, great. Um, and they were not impressed. They were not impressed at all. I remember I got on a plane. Before I got on a plane, I called my uh, producing partner out here, and I was like, I was like, guys, like we, I need to put together a presentation pronto. This is a big deal. I want this job. And we got back here and we were at the production house and we like put together like a, like a, you know, a, a mock-up of what the DVD would look like or the, the DVD case. And I did a very detailed breakdown on what I think the, the movie should be, blah, 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 blah. And I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that my best friend was the guy writing the checks. And so I think that, I think my presentation gave them a little bit of ease um, but they were the first interview that we did with the historian of, uh, we were in Santa Fe. Blackman was there. 
I know he was there to make sure that, like, you know, I was, you know, everything was going to go kosher. And we did like a two and a half hour interview, and he walked out and he just patted me on the back and he's like, "Okay, we're in good hands." And so the museum was like on our side from that moment on. So wow. it, it was great. The film went on to one t- tons of festivals. It was a, it was a definitely a. It's one of the best pieces I've ever I've ever directed, um, and that and that definitely opened up. You know, going to all those festivals and getting that on PBS opened up, uh, um, you know, a great world for me to. Uh, uh, to do other documentaries. Last question I want to yeah. ask you before we wrap up. <clears throat> we have two final questions, but okay. I got one in addition to that. Um, what is it like? Because as a director, you're basically freelance. You're like an independent mm-hmm. contractor, yeah, and you're just freelance. sort of going from job to job. Mm-hmm. And then once one job's over, there's no guarantee you'll ever nope. work again. Nope. I've always been really fascinated by what that is like, especially for somebody who's got a nice body of work under their belts with a lot of connections. Could you describe what it's like to just sort of bounce around from job to job and well, not really it, know where things are coming from? It is interesting. Uh, I've definitely learned how to save <laughs> my money mm. i mean even with headshots headshots had a various uh like it would be huge in january like everyone would be like pilot season and then it would completely die in the summer and then would pick back up in the fall and then like thanksgiving would show up and i wouldn't get another job until january 1st so i think that kind of prepared me a little bit for it um i will say this is and it was a huge distinction Prior to me having kids and after having kids has been two very different things. Before I had kids, I was I, I always just had confidence that things were going to work out, um, and that's mostly just because not because I'm sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring. It's because I'm out networking or I was at film festivals, and it's like anything in this business. Like you got to have you know I have seven balls in the air, but only one of them is going to come. You know, maybe one of them is going to work out. You know, so I was always kind of fine with that. But after having kids. It definitely just the stress of like, oh, I'm in charge of two people eating like, you know, like um, so it definitely I think it's even lit a bigger fire into my ass because there were there were times I would go months without working when I was single that I was like, man, you know, I've saved up enough. I'm good. Like things are going to work out like and they always did. They legitimately always did. Um, not because of luck, but because I was out hustling. Um, but with the kids, like it's, it's kind of taken it to a new level where I'm, I'm, you know, even this January, I was like, even in the photography, I'm calling all my clients like, Hey, let's, uh, what's going on at the Grove. Let's get a few more events over there. So, um, uh, but yeah, you, to, to really answer your question, you have to have complete and utter faith in yourself, uh, and your talent and know that, if you're putting good work out there, it's going to lead to more good work. I've always tried to take solace in that fact that um, I'm going to bust my ass on this project and someone else is going to see it and they're going to hire me for the next project. And it's so far always worked. So far, that's how it's worked. Good yeah. work begets more, more good work. work. Yeah. Good work. Mm-hmm. Uh, weird philosophical question I want Shoot. to drop in here just because it popped into my head and I'm curious what you'd say. How would you distinguish between working hard and working smart in in this industry? What would that look like for you? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I guess the the smart aspect is just kind of recognizing where the dead ends are. Um, And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, when you're out there networking or meeting new people, if they make it obvious that this isn't going to work with them. You know, I'm not, you know, for whatever reason, like this film isn't going to happen, then it's not necessarily smart to keep like pounding on that door 
if you just if if it's just never going to happen. Like your wait, I kind of feel that maybe you're wasting your time, and those energies could be uh, better put towards something that actually is going to get made. Um, a perfect example. I mean, this literally just happened to. I got an, I phone, had a phone call right before we did this podcast where um, I was in talks to do. And, and still kind of are to do this uh, feature documentary about Colorado College. Um, they're getting ready to have the 50th anniversary for a thing called um, they, they do block semesters where they for three weeks they do intensive studies on one thing. And so they want to kind of celebrate this. And the, the, the feedback came back that they want two professors in house to kind of handle the entire project, which is, I mean, they would shoot it and do it everything. So there really is no place for me. And I talked to the, to the main guy, at the foundation who would pay for it. And I was kind of like, well, like they're going to have to have a whole philosophical shift for me to kind of fit into this. Cause I'm going to bring my own elements and you know, my own qualities to this project. And I just don't know if that's even possible at this point. So, I mean, I'm not giving up on it, but there's definitely a point where they're going to make, they're going to say X, Y, and Z, and that's going to be it. And so I've got to be, know that I shouldn't be knocking on that door anymore. Like there's other projects mm. I need to give more time mm. to, I guess, you know, cause I know I say that, but I don't want, you know, you know, you always hear the stories of like, I never gave up. I mean, right, yeah, I persisted. Got, yeah. yeah. And you definitely want to do that. But if, if they just make it very clear that you're not the guy, then don't wait, stop wasting your time with that Yeah, or change yeah. the conversation, do a different project with it. You know what I'm saying? So there's an aspect of that. So I, and again, this goes back to what I was just talking about. I mean, me having kids, like I just don't have time. I can't waste three years on a project that isn't going to happen. Like I need to know that we're moving in the right direction on certain things. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like if you hit a dead end like that, where there's a philosophical difference, it's not like about convincing them that you're the person. It's like, there's just like you said, there's no room for you to fit into this. I feel like a nice pivot would be just to sort of go, okay, you know, if it's not me, how can I support you guys in making this awesome? Can I introduce you to somebody that might be able to make something easier for you? Maybe that's a way to sort of still maintain that great relationship. You're 100% right. Cause I mean, my, the, the producer that I would have, I will use for that project if it happens is, is a, is a Colorado college graduate. And she Mm. graduated like three years ago. So I was like, listen, even if I'm not a part of this, you guys should use her because she will give a, a perspective of someone young, because uh, they want to, you know, the documentary is going to focus on people in their 80s. I was like, you should hire her. She went to the school. So you're totally right. That, that that's the that's the right move. So hmm. and it ingratiates yourself. There's no heart. Yeah, feelings. yeah, yeah. Somebody said to me once, if you have the heart of a servant, you can't lose or something like that. Right. I'm butchering that, that saying. But the <laughs> idea being that, like, show up in service and, and really it's like no doors right. are, are closed to you. That's very true. And people and they'll remember you for it. Yeah. Instead of yeah, the person it, that ran off in a tantrum. It's kind of rare. There's a lot of this industry is built on what's in it for me. Yes. And, it uh, is. you know, like the old saying is like, it's better to give than to receive. It's so true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it is. One thing I'm learning as I get older. It's so true. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we're out of time. So our final okay. two questions, we asked these questions of all our guests and I'm, I'm really excited to hear yours. You may have answered one, but maybe not. So here's the first one. Did this path, this journey, this industry, this career, did it choose you or did you choose it? Oh, I definitely chose it. The, uh, I, I mean, I, my dad's a doctor, my brothers are doctors. Uh, all my friends that stay in Oklahoma are all lawyers and doctors. It could have been a very, I don't want to say easy because uh, law school would have been very, in medical school would have been very tough for me. Uh, but that would have been a safe choice. And 
I knew at a very young age that I I love Oklahoma. My entire family lives there. I go back often. I want my my two daughters to have to to go to Oklahoma and love it. But I knew that wasn't for me, and so I I definitely made a a conscious decision to chase this dream, and and still am. Like I'm you know I'm still chasing the dream. So and I and no matter how successful I I hope to be, I will always be chasing the dream. So. Hmm. Yeah. It never, never ends. No. And it shouldn't. That's, that's the fun of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Life is practice, right? You're just always trying to get to that next level. If you could take all your experience and that includes all your victories and wins, as well as all your embarrassing pitfalls and stumbles, uh, and can, if you could condense all of that down into one nugget of wisdom or truth to pass on to somebody kind of one step behind you, what would that nugget of wisdom or truth that you'd share be? Um, my father gave me like one of those little, uh, I don't know if it's a coaster or a tablet or whatever it is, but it sits on my desk and it's a quote from Winston Churchill and it just simply says, never give up. Hmm. So I look at that every morning, never give up. Well, there it is. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for hey, thanks taking for having this me, guys. Time. This has been fantastic. Yeah, thanks for inviting us into your beautiful home. Uh, if people want to connect with you, see your work, connect with you online, uh, where can they go? BrianBeasley.com. Make cool. it real simple. All right. And you're on, you're on social media, too. I think yeah, you have a Twitter yeah, account. Yeah, Brian, yeah, that's also Twitter's Brian Beasley, and Facebook is Brian Beasley. Brian Great. with a Y, by the way. Cool, cool. And we've got the spelling and the name and all those links on our website and the show notes for this episode. So, Brian, thank you again. This was really great. Oh, thank you guys. Really enjoyed it. Hey, folks. Welcome back. I uh, hope you enjoyed the uh, final part of uh, Trev's interview with Brian Beasley. I am, once again, at a disadvantage having not heard it, but I'm excited to hear it. Trev, any, uh, any debriefing you'd like to do for this one? If I never listen to this interview again, my big takeaway is that it really is about who you know, and you should never be afraid to call on your friends and peers and your circle of relationships for favors, for opportunities both giving and getting stuff. I mean, be there to help other people and don't be afraid to ask other people for help because I, I, Brian's story like is the antithesis of happening in a vacuum. Not at not one point did he not cite somebody who helped him or taught him something or opened some door for him. So I would say that's, that's really the big takeaway for me. Awesome. Well, what is your pick of the week? So my pick of the week is a novel uh, by an independent writer that I really like named Colin Wright. He's a world traveler as well. He's a really fascinating guy. Um, And he wrote this novel called Puncture Up a while ago that I've been wanting to read. And I finally picked it up a couple weeks ago and and finished it uh, not too long ago. And it's it's a really fascinating sort of deep dive about human-created parallel universes. And I don't want to give anything away. But it's a really interesting um, foray into the idea, and there's more and more sort of scientists and physicists and people getting on board with this theory, that we actually live in a computer simulation, that humanity and the world and our reality is basically a hologram. And this, this novel takes that idea and runs with it. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, talk about a page turner. It was a little slow for me getting started, but once I got into the, the meat of it, I, I just I finished it in like a day and a half. Pretty cool. You can get it on your Kindle. It's like four or five bucks. Uh, puncture up, puncture up. I really enjoyed it. 
Am I going to feel like nothing matters after reading this? No, in fact, you're going to feel like God after reading this. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll cool. leave it at that. So, cool. uh, yeah, your pick of the week. We talked about this a little bit last night. I would never recommend someone watch a big blockbuster, especially a Marvel movie, on a plane. But, you know, what are you going to do? You're stuck in a big metal tube for several hours. So Doctor Strange was one of the available films, and I had wanted to see it. And uh, I started watching it, and I figured, out oh, turn it off if, like, you know, it's just it's just not entertaining on a, on a tiny, you know, seat back screen. But it was so good. I, I watched the whole thing, and the thing that I loved about it, I mean – I'm probably, you know, really late to this party because it's a Marvel movie and probably a lot of people have seen it. But if you're not into superhero movies, if if you're one of those people that's like, uh, you know, big action films and, and these superhero films are not really my thing, then I would say maybe check this one out for its um, message about, I guess, transformation. Like there's so many messages about like how your mind can heal yourself how we, uh, you know, sort of, I mean, it's very similar to Trevor, like we control our reality. You know, if, if your intentions are good, but you call upon, you know, the darkness or dark energy to further your agenda, are they, st- are your intentions still pure and, and good? It's, there's all these really amazing questions about life and um, the concept of time and thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and not just for the, um, the superhero action filmy, kind of stuff in it so uh yeah so dr strange is my is my pick of the week that's so good to hear because i saw the trailer for that and i was like eh, pass like i'm kind of over these marvel superhero blockbusters but to hear that there's a really core message about um empowerment is is pretty cool yeah it's great i i would definitely definitely uh, recommend you check it out trev awesome and then we have one more pick of the week to mention this comes from our awesome production coordinator jen levin and her pick uh, for this week is the movie Get Out. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I've seen the trailer for it, and it looks really interesting. It's like a horror, like comedy, like racial commentary thriller. It looks like a really kind of interesting mix of genres, and it's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a very, very rare thing. So Jen says she knew was in, she was in for something amazing when she went to go see it uh, as a part of a SAG after a film society event. She says if you're a union actor, by the way, she highly recommends joining um, the Film Society. Uh, but she said this movie has has prompted her to go down a research rabbit hole to look up things like racial relations throughout history. Uh, she never thought a thriller movie could be so thought-provoking and layered with some very deep messages. So she said it's got a very strong message and only got stronger after she left the theater and, and, and kept thinking about it. She said it just was beautifully shot, beautifully composed as a story, and uh, she would recommend not looking too much up, not doing too much research before going in to see this movie because she thinks that going in with no ideas or expectations is is really the best way to do it. And personally, that's the way I like to do it too, just to go in blind for the most part. So you can watch the trailer, uh, find find it on YouTube. There's also a link on our website, and then um, check it out. I'm I'm definitely going to see it. I've just heard from so many people. This is a great fun ride uh with some really thought-provoking stuff it's almost like the the idea of going to see it has become viral yeah. like everybody's <laughs> talking about it which yeah. is great I, I you know i love that yeah awesome man well that is puncture up a novel about parallel universes from colin wright uh dr strange the latest marvel installment and uh 
Get Out, a thought-provoking racial relations thriller. <laughs> Did I sum those up well? Yeah, think? that was pretty good. <laughs> All right, cool. That was, somebody should hire you to, like, I don't know, host a podcast or something. <laughs> Uh, I think that does it for, for this episode. Anything you wanted to add before we, we skedaddle? No, let's let's do that. Let's skedaddle. Where did that come from? Can we look up the etymology of skedaddle? We should. I don't really know where that came from. S- listeners, get on it. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by yours truly, A.J. Meyer, and of course, Trevor Algat. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrick is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. And of course, Grace Gordon is joining our team as the new director of public relations. Fern Lim designed our logo. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on social media and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute, leaving us a review on iTunes, a favorable review would be really, really great. It helps uh, helps us a lot and uh, definitely helps people find the show. Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro, View It A Go-Go, and PrintHeadshots.com. And thanks to you, our listeners. Visit our website to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, get links to everything we talked about on this and other episodes. And if you'd like, support the continued production of the show with a small or large, large financial contribution. Uh, you can make a one-time, no-strings-attached, tax-deductible contribution via PayPal, Square, or Venmo, or sign up as an Inside Acting member for $7 a month, and not only will you be supporting the podcast, but you also get some great content and a great community to boot. Visit us at InsideActing.net to learn more and show some love. And that does it for episode 269 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, empower. Not to be confused with Empire. No, no, that would be, that'd be a weird thing to leave people with. (laughs) Empire. Am I supposed to watch the show? I don't understand. What are they telling me?